Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message from Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us on the web at vinelife.com or read our blog at inthecurrent.net. So if you've been with us the last few weeks, we've been kind of started this unofficial series about family. From what I can tell, it's going to be about a 52-week series, Uh, maybe longer, I don't know. Um, But the whole idea is just about community and the family, the family of God here, not necessarily just our biological families, but more expansive, what we're doing here. And uh, so the last few weeks, we've talked about uh, the father, because that's always a good place to start uh, when you're going to talk about the family. And uh, I just want to drill down a little bit further today, and the ushers passed out notes just a second ago, and uh, that's in case I get a little too ambitious today. We've got a lot to cover. I'm hoping you guys weren't planning on watching any football today. Um, it may or may not happen. I'm just joking. Um, so uh, really where I come from today, and what I would just want to use as a, a launching pad today is just to let you guys know where I land on this. I'm just coming from this place where I, I really believe the Church of Jesus Christ um, that we should be the most loving, most forgiving, most peacemaking, joy-filled, powerful, strong force upon this earth for the good of the world and for the glory of God. That's what I believe. Okay, yeah, I was hoping for maybe just a little bit more than that, because that's you guys, okay? So um, let's do it like this. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ, when it is kingdom-centered, spirit-led, is the hope of the world. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is God's plan for a broken world. Is anybody with me on this? Okay. Okay. Well, all right. Now settle down. Now settle down. No, I'm just joking. Um, That's kind of where I am. That's that's what I am. That's kind of what's driving this. And I just really believe that today, to be a strong body, to be a strong family, it's going to require not only a a deep devotion to God, but a really, really deep devotion to each other. That's what it's going to take. And uh, I think that's often where we see the discrepancy, because a lot of times we, we understand the whole idea of being devoted to God, right? I'm just going to pursue God. I'm going to show up. I'm going to do this and sing this and pray this and just be in God. We're going to take over the world. And we get that. But when it comes to a really deep commitment and devotion to people in your life and to people in the body of Christ, that's where, that's where to be honest, we just get a little nervous, right? Because I'm not sure I want you really that close, um, because I've done that before, and it hasn't always gone well. Uh, and so we kind of do this arm's length thing sometimes. You know, maybe I'll pray with you, but I'm not going to open up too much. And uh, um, we see this. We see this every day. Um, I, probably even coming in this morning. A great example of this. You come in this morning, you see some people you know. Hey, how you doing? Good. Good. Fine. Doing great. Right? That's what we say because we've been trained to say those things. But some of us are honest. That's just not true. Uh, If you were actually to describe your week and your current experience on this planet, good and fine and great would not would not come close to that. All right, and so um, so you lie uh, for maybe two reasons. Either I just don't think it maybe would be appropriate for me to tell me tell them how I'm really feeling this morning, or maybe you just don't think they really want to hear. You just don't feel safe. I'm not sure that I I'm not sure that you really want to see what's inside of me right now. And I'm, just what I've been thinking about is just we've got to get to this place where 
our love for each other and our devotion to each other just creates a safety and just creates this comfort and ease where we can be who we are. And I think there's so much strength there. And uh, honestly, if we've learned anything from culture, it's that relationships are temporary and they're conditional. And they're fleeting. And they're, they lead to brokenness. So why would I invest all my time into some relationships that probably, they may or may not pan out well. They might leave me in some broken places. Why, why would I do that? And I'm just, again, I'm in this place where I just, I don't think that this needs to be the case. I don't think that in the Church of Jesus Christ, relationships have to look like that. And what we're going to explore today is that uh, I, I believe that Jesus died so that we could be one as a body. And if there's one word, if there's one word that comes to mind, that in essence, cuts, goes against the grain, and it's a declaration of war against temporary and conditional relationships. It's this word called covenant. And I know that word probably carries with it a mixed bag of emotions. Um, that's, it's a funny word because we're not quite sure. It's, again, it's one of those ner- words that maybe makes us a little nervous because we've seen that word used before and not quite sure what that means um, I, I, I think that some of it, it's, you know, it's probably a positive thing for a lot of us, right? You think about the covenant of marriage, right? Husband and wife becoming one in union with God till death he was part. That's a beautiful thing. Um, there's other words, the other places we see the word covenant. When I started thinking about this, the first place I saw the word covenant was coming back into my neighborhood. I was driving. I pull into my neighborhood, and it says, Oak Meadows, covenant protected. Covenant protected neighborhood. I'm like, oh. Never saw that before. And, you know, looking around, there's other neighborhoods. <laughs> it takes it further. It says, you know, covenant controlled, right? Timberline Valley, a covenant controlled neighborhood. I don't know about you. It makes me seem a little suspicious. What's happening in that neighborhood? What are they doing in there? Are they going to draw my blood or what? Like what? I don't know. Of course, we know what that means. It means HOA, Right? <laughs> some booze in the room. <laughs> Come on, people. Come on. So the covenant essentially is I paid them $185 a year, and they covenant to send me a letter if my trash cans have been in the street too long, right? It's a covenant. I mean, I don't know. I guess it, sometimes it works. I mean, I don't have any people with cars in their lawns. That's a good thing. But okay, so another place we see the word covenant Obviously, when we open up the Word of God, Old Testament, New Testament, the word testament means covenant. And that's what we're about to take a look at here. It's split into two covenants here. But it's kind of a word, when we start applying that word to relationships, covenant relationships, that's when we're like, hold on a second, hold on, you know. That's where we start to get a little nervous because the word seems a little outdated, uh, especially in a culture that's so transient. We move so fast. We change jobs so fast. We live so far away from, in, from each other. Churches on every corner uh, relationships that come and go and this and that, uh, really, is this, is this really a relevant thing for us today? And, and there's a question, you know, can I just pursue God? Can I just attend church and just make sure this is good, me and God, and call it good? No, you can't. And we're about to find out why. Uh, so what I want to do is I just want to open up. I'm going to start at the beginning, all right? So if this is... If this is uh, uh, if, if you've never read the Bible before, this could get a little overwhelming in the next 15 minutes. Um, but just stick with me. I think this is really good stuff. Um, so if you have your Bible, you can open up to Exodus 19. And we're going to open up. I want to take a look at some of God's covenants 
with people. Now, the word covenant, as the way we know it, when, you know, it comes to property law and those types of things, uh, it's an agreement of commitment made in trust. Um, in the Bible, uh, the word for covenant is berith. And in Greek, it's diatheke. And essentially, it means a bond in blood that is sovereignly administered. And now, that is in itself an astonishing idea that the God of the universe would actually make a covenant with the people, that he would actually put himself under the obligation to fulfill a covenant. That's just an astonishing thing. And we see this about six times in the Bible. I really don't have time uh, to hit all six, um, though they're all kind of working towards the same thing. Um, In case you're not aware, the Bible starts in a garden and it ends in a city. God, from the beginning of time, has been after, has been determined to find his people, and to create a people that is his. He wants us to create, he want, he's, he's been wanting to create a people, and that's what he's doing, and that's what we're about to see here. And this, where we're going to pick up is God's covenant to the people of Israel through Moses. Um, this is at a time where uh, they just can't, they're just coming out of Egypt, all right? So the hundreds of years, they're slaves, okay? Let's, uh, let's take a look at this, Exodus 19. On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the, in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God and, the Lord God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully... Keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Uh, these are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. And so he comes to them, he pulls them out of Egypt, and there are hundreds of years where essentially they're not a people, they're slaves. Uh, when you're in slavery, you're not a people. You're robbed of all identity. Uh, essentially every day you're just trying to stay alive. God pulls him out and says, I'm going to make you my people. And the covenant essentially goes like this. If you will be my people, I will be your God. And what we see just after this is when he gives them the Ten Commandments, the next chapter. And so, uh, so he, he, he tells them that he's making them into a people. That's what he's covenanting to do. And then he gives them um, basically a, a list of things, and here's how, you be, here's how you become a covenant people. Here's how you to treat each other and how you're to regard me. And then he goes to the Ten Commandments. Now, when we sk- skip to the New Testament, we see Peter referencing this very same passage in uh, 1 Peter. You don't have to turn there. Um, I'll just read it real quick. 1 Peter says this very same thing. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. And so he's saying, listen, there was a time you were not a people. You were a crowd of individuals. You were slaves. But because of God's covenant to you, he has made you into a people. And so uh, we know, though, through even just a brief reading of the Old Testament again, uh, that the Israelites had a really hard time with this. Uh, They did not do well at keeping their covenant with God. They liked the idea of it. Uh, They wanted it. Uh, but at the end of the day, they just kept drifting. Um, uh, they just, they didn't know how to be a people and how to keep this covenant with God. We see this very quickly. Uh, on Mount Sinai, God gives them this new covenant, throws out the Ten Commandments, and then, you know, Moses, you know, goes through some laws and this whole thing about the tabernacle and establishing the tabernacle. 
Seriously, just a few chapters later, Moses goes back up the mountain. The people are like, where did he go? I don't know. Somebody's like, I got an idea. Let's build a golden cow and worship it. And everyone's like, yeah, good idea. And like, like really, guys? Like Moses comes back down from the mountain. Hey, guys, you know, he sees they're worshiping. They, they melted all their jewelry into a golden cow. I mean, and Moses is like, really, guys? This is like 10 chapters ago. God gives us a covenant. You didn't make it 10 chapters. What is your problem? And we see this over and over again. I mean, just the people of God. Like, what was this? They just couldn't. There's just something. They just couldn't do it. And here's what you have to understand. This wasn't a surprise to God. Okay, you and I both know Old Covenant, New Covenant, that this would be solved with Jesus here. Um, uh, But sometimes it's easy to think about that as if God was caught off guard by the the disobedience of the Israelites. And he's thinking, oh, no, what am I going to do? This is surprising to me. I better send Jesus in there. He, he was not caught off guard. He knew that he needed to send Jesus. He was waiting for the fullness of time to do that. But Jesus had to come to be the perfect sacrifice, the sinless son of God to take away the sins of the world, um, to go to the cross on our behalf. And but, so Jesus, or the father knew this needed to happen. And so here's what he says. They're still in the Old Testament. He sends a prophet, Jeremiah, to say this to the Israelites. Okay, follow with me. Chapter 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. But no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. And so God comes. He's determined to make for himself a people. Now, um, he adds a little twist. He said, here's a new covenant, uh, but in this covenant, it's going to be a little different. Not only am I going to make you my people, but I'm going to put the law within you and write it on your hearts. And so this is why the new covenant is so much better. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about uh, the new covenant is a better covenant because it's built on better promises. The better promises are those. Uh, Not only is he going to make us his people, but he's going to give us all the faith and obedience and desire to do it. That's a better promise. Okay, that's a way better promise. Not only are we going to become his people, but we're going to want to. Okay, and that's what he was determined to do, and that's what he was after, and that's what he was just, over and over again, he was just single-focused. This is what I'm doing. And so we see, after this, we know what happens after this. Fullness of time comes. God sends his son, Jesus. And Jesus, through living with us and going to the cross, by going to the cross, what he was doing, he was offering the perfect sacrifice on our behalf, bearing the weight of sin, acting as a, propitiation to absorb the wrath of God on our behalf. And by the spilling of his blood, the breaking of his body, that's what we celebrate because by doing that, he made us clean and righteous in the eyes of the Father. Where that just, it just couldn't happen before that. And then three days later, he rises from the dead to defeat death. He sends us the Holy Spirit, which would write the law on our hearts. And this is what we celebrate in the new covenant, the covenant that would make 
to turn the people of Israel into the church of Jesus Christ, the true people of God. Here's the interesting thing. The first covenant, the old covenant, was initiated on Mount Sinai. It was announced on Mount Sinai by Moses. The new covenant was announced at the Last Supper. The new covenant was announced at dinner with friends. And it's almost as if Jesus, by initiating this new covenant, was trying to send a message about that new covenant by the way he was doing. He invites some friends over for dinner. Because not only would they be his friends, but by coming together, they would become each other's friends. And here's what we read in Matthew 26. As they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take it, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, to, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of the street of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And here's what, here's what we got to see here, this picture. And this is what we don't think of often, but this makes so much sense. Jesus invites his disciples over for dinner just before he goes to the cross. And he knows what he's about to do. And so he's kind of cluing his disciples on this. And he breaks off a piece of the bread, and he starts handing it around the table. And each one, subsequently, breaks a piece of bread off. And they're looking around the table, and Jesus is holding bread. They're all holding bread, and they eat of the bread together. And then Jesus takes his cup. He drinks of the cup, and then what does he do? He passes it. And then after that person drinks of the cup, they pass it. This cup makes its way around the table. And you can just imagine the disciples, they're looking at Jesus, and not only are they sharing in the same cup of Jesus, but as they look around the table, they're realizing, wait a second, we're sharing in the same cup too. It's as if God was, it's as if Jesus was setting up this whole thing. He said, do you see how this works? Do you see how this is happening here? The same covenant that brings us into relationship with God is a covenant that brings us into relationship with the people of God. The symbolic act of covenant that Jesus was initiating was the same thing that was permeating their relationships into covenant relationships. And if God's plan from the beginning was to make for himself a people, and he was covenanting to make for himself a people, then it's just becoming clear that for the people of God, their covenant to Jesus was, we covenant to be the people of God. We covenant to be the church that you're looking for. We covenant to build each other up and to give ourselves completely to each other, to serve each other, to love each other, to share with each other to encourage one another, to give freely and with every talent and treasure and resource lavished upon us and upon me that is not to terminate on my own self, but used to, to serve the people of God and to serve the people he's put in my life. And we see that Paul takes us a step further in 1 Corinthians. He says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the, bro- the bread we break a sharing in the body of Christ? 
Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the, of the bread. So you get this picture that Paul's even driving this home. Listen, everybody, just to remind you, we are sharing in the same cup and we're sharing in the same bread. And so to become one body, we have to remember that we're sharing these things together. And here's why I think this is important. Because when we think about our relationships and even our strongest relationships, Sometimes we think those relationships exist because of other shared things. Like, have you ever had a friend or relationship where as soon as there was a disagreement, or there was like a change of opinion, like, I'm just not sure I line up with you on that, then the relationship just completely disintegrated. It disappeared. And what does that tell you? The entire basis of that relationship was based on shared thinking. And so once that thinking changed, we're done here. We're done. Or you look at even marriage, and you know, it's, it's no secret. We all know marriages that have collapsed. And why? Because you go into it, and we're thinking, man, we're sharing a feeling here. This feels good, right? But if it's just shared on a feeling, what happens when that feeling changes? Covenant just, just melts away. And so what Paul is saying is, you know, listen, listen, everybody, just in case anybody's confused, um, there's lots of things we may or may not share. You might share the same opinions on things. You might share feelings on the same things. You might share the same political affiliation. You might share the fact that you're a non-denominational charismatic, right? You might share the fact that you read this book or you shared uh, this or that or the other. You might share your skinny jeans and your music style with other people or whatever. You just pick the list. You assemble your own list. Those things may or may not line up. But what Paul's saying, listen, you share something that transcends all of those things. That's the body and the blood of Christ. And each of you are partakers of the same body and the same blood. And that is the bond of unity that strengthens the church of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Because we just, we just, we, we can't practice weak and fragile relationships and call ourselves the church. We can't, we can't do that. That's not what Jesus died for. He died to make him for himself a people that loved, loved each other fiercely. And the awesome part about that is I think when we establish covenant relationships with each other, when we say, hey, listen, our relationship is, 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 is solid here. So just be honest. What happens is when there's a covenant relationship, it actually gives more room to share really honest feelings about where we disagree and really how we feel. We don't have to feel like we have to walk on eggshells anymore. Because when, when you can walk in the room and you can get with somebody and you just know that at the end of the day, you are committed to each other. I don't care where we land on this. I love you more than anything. What that does, it actually opens up more opportunity like, okay, well, in that case, then this is how I really feel. That's what that does for us. Do you see how healthy that is? Such a good thing. And so one of the questions that um, I think we need to ask today is this. Um, Can you love somebody different than you without feeling like you need to change them? Do you have that capacity? We always have this temptation. I just want to make you a little bit more like me because I'm comfortable with me, right? We are all comfortable in a house of mirrors. You make yourself right at home, no time. 
people that share the same opinions and values and everything as you. But what about the people who are different from you? Is there still something? Do you have the capacity to love them when they share nothing else with you? It is a question we have to wrestle with today. Do you have the capacity to love the people in your life without trying to make them more like you? And I think Jesus had to walk through this himself. We just looked at the Last Supper. He's at dinner just before he goes to the cross. And he's talking about this covenant. And he knows who's at the table with him. He knows he's got his disciples. He knows he's got his friends. But he also knows there's one who would betray him and one who would deny him. He knows that. What does he do? He still lifts the cup. This is the cup of my covenant. For the forgiveness of many. This is my blood which will be poured out for the forgiveness of many. And he passes it to these guys. Jesus had to make the same call. Man, am I really, am I willing to give up everything to serve these guys? And even if they don't, they're not even, I don't even, I'm not even sure they're with me on this. And I, I just believe that we're in this season. I think this is what God's doing. I mean, he's, he's bringing us together as his body. In covenant relationships. And that covenant kind of looks a lot of different ways. We have a covenant with God, you know, like, God, I surrender everything to you. Some of you, maybe you haven't even made that step yet. And I invite you to do that today. Like, have you given everything to God? Do you believe that in him is true joy and life? I mean, have you experienced his presence to know that he is a good God? And I just invite into that relationship today. I mean, I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm just telling you from personal experience, he's a good God. Um, so we're a covenant with God. And so naturally, a covenant with the people in our lives. Now, we might have, this is going to look a couple different ways. We might have a few friends. We've talked in the last couple weeks about mentors and spiritual mothers and fathers. We use those words and um, who are the people, who are the maybe one, two, three people in your life that you're just an open book to? Like anything, I'm just laid out. I'm just on the table here. You can look into me as deep as you want, and I'm not going to, to shun you away. Do you have those people? Because that's what honors the Lord. That's what strengthens the church when you have those types of relationships. And then the idea of like a covenant with a body of believers. You know, we are a body of believers, not the only body of believers, but we are a body of believers. We are one expression of the Bible calls the bride of Christ, right? And so um, God is preparing us as a people, and we are Jesus' people. And so if you're here, do you, are you here? I mean, you can be here without actually being here. I mean, you can attend a service without actually being here, but do you, do you belong? Do you see yourself belonging to this body when you look around the room? Are, are you thinking in the, the ways of what can I do to build this body and serve this body and beautify this bride? Because over time, you can't just, you know, months or years down the road, just have one foot in, one foot out, and just kind of stand at the outskirts. That's not a covenant community. A covenant community is the people of God who freely give themselves to build the body of Christ. You guys see that? And that may or may not be here. I mean, you might be in here and you're just struggling. I'm not sure if that's here or not. That's fine. But where is that place? And go build that body and strengthen that bride. You guys hear me on that? So here's, here's what I think I want to do to end today. 
we just read this passage at the Last Supper. And I just think it would be an appropriate way to end today for us to receive communion together, symbolically um, receive Jesus' body and his blood and remind ourselves of the cross and what he actually paid for on the cross and what he came to do. And um, what I'd ask you to do, um, you don't have to come if you don't want, if you're not a believer in Jesus and you're just not sure where you land, that's fine. You can have, just, just stay sitting. Um, if you would like to join us in this, there's two tables in the front. There's two tables in the back. I just want to invite you, go get the elements and bring them back to your table. And then we're going to pray together this morning. You can go now. Here's what I want to do. If you could stand with me today. You know, at Vine Life, we typically, the way we receive communion, as you know, is we have our tables up front and during our singing, you know, we just kind of file up individually and maybe with our families and we do receive communion and it's very much a vertical thing. Which is a great thing because we remind ourselves of Jesus' covenant to us. I want to do something different this morning. Um, before we receive the elements, I just want you to take a look around the room. I want you to look around the room right now. Just actually just open your eyes, make some eye contact. Look at the people in the room behind you, in front of you, to the side of you. Take a good look because these are the people that God is reconciling you to. This is the body of Christ. We are a full-bodied body of Christ, right? You look around the room, these are the people that it would just please God if 
nothing more if you saw them the way Christ sees them. And as you look at them, you remind yourself, wow, he died for them too. They look way different than me. They are in a whole different, they're in a whole different world than I am. But you look at them and say, wow, they're holding the same bread and the same cup this morning. And there's something beautiful about that. And I think there's, some, there's like an aroma. There's something just pleasing to the Lord about that. So as we've done that, would you just uh, agree with me in prayer? We're just going to pray over our time here. God, I thank you. I thank you that this was your intention from the beginning of time to make for yourself a people. And God, to the degree that you've loved us, you've given us the power to love each other deeply. A love that just transcends all of these other superficial loves and something we share that transcends all these other things that we may or may not share. God, I thank you that this morning, each of us are holding your body and your blood because we're recognizing, God, we cannot do this apart from you. We have no power in and of ourselves, God. We are here humbly before you, recognizing that you're the God who pursued us before we ever pursued you. And I thank you, Jesus, that as we partake of your, blo- your body and as we partake of your blood, God, we can be reminded that you went to the cross on our behalf. You were wounded. You were beaten. You were bruised. You were afflicted. Your blood was poured out for the forgiveness of many that we might be reconciled and that we might rise and be strengthened as a victorious church to go in the power of God, to love and to heal a broken world, God. I thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can receive the elements. Amen.